Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to this championship Sunday edition of TC Live. The Barty Party rages on in Cincinnati. Ash Barty didn't drop a set all week on the way to her fifth title of the season. And how about a fifth Masters title for Sasha Zverev? The win streak goes to 11. First player to take the Western and Southern Open and the Olympic gold medal in the same year since Andre Agassi back in 96. TC Live is presented all week long by our friends at Tennis Point, and we have a lot to talk about today. All the highlights and reaction from Cincinnati, plus after Cincinnati comes New York. Who are the favorites at the U.S. Open? We are just a week away. And before that, a tasty appetizer tonight in Carolina between Andy Murray and Nick Kyrgios. That's like a final in a first round. Welcome into our studios here in Santa Monica. Steve Weissman, the Hall of Famer, Lindsey Davenport, and we have our second Hall of Famer, Andy Roddick, over there on the big screen as well. Andy, Sasha Zverev absolutely dominated today. What did you think of that performance? Well, he dominated the whole tournament, except for about, uh, you know, 25 minutes against Steph Sitsipas when he kind of ran out the end of that second set and into the, the front of the third set. But the guy's been on fire since Tokyo. Um, you know, taking out Novak in the semis, they're going through a, a brutal draw here and doing it comfortably. Uh, making first serves, the only time we saw a hint of the nerves that kind of can sometimes come in on his second serve was in the last game when he got broken, but he rebounded off of that. It didn't linger. And and sometimes before in the past two years, it's lingered a little bit. The guy has his game. He's going through the court more consistently with his forehand. He, he looks great right now. Uh, most impressive thing to me. First of all, I was a little disappointed we had no drama today. Yeah. <laughs> in either match, we had so much fun last night, um, was how he came back. I mean, last night's win over Sitsipas, it was physical, it was emotional. There's a lot going on in that. And Zverev, no problem, comes back less than 24 hours later, like nothing happened. And uh, it's such a, a step up in the ladder when you, you start to get that maturity, you start to get that belief that, yeah, I should win every match, I can win every tournament I play. And he just seems to be entering that zone. And winning the Olympics was obviously huge for him and his confidence. It's given him that extra boost. Now with Cincinnati, I mean, we'll talk about it later, Steve, but does this elevate him on the list of favorites for New York? I, I think it has to. Obviously, he was the runner-up last year as well, looking to take that one step further, win his first major title. On the other side, Andy, Andre Rublev, he also had a massive win last night against Daniil Medvedev, somebody he had never taken a set off of. Do you think this was kind of a letdown for him or, or just a, a bad matchup against Zverev? Yeah, I mean, sometimes you're allowed to just get outplayed. Um, it, it's proven to be a bad matchup. I mean, he's... he's 0-4 going into this match now, 0-5, hasn't won a set. But the same, it was the same situation about uh, about Medvedev, uh, with Medvedev yesterday. So, um, listen, he's going to have to kind of learn how to problem solve. Sometimes it doesn't happen uh, that quickly. One thing we have to remember with these kind of 
uh, lopsided head-to-heads with Rublev and these other guys, they were better, faster than he was, right? Like, he kind of broke out last year and inserted himself in this upper echelon where the other guys, especially Zverev's been around five, six years, Medvedev three or four years. So uh, it's going to be an uphill battle as he tries to problem solve, but don't let that take away from their week as a whole. Pretty incredible, Lindsay, that these two have been playing against one another since they were 11. I mean, playing the Eddie Herr together, playing the Orange Bowl together as doubles partners. Andy and I were talking about it earlier this year when we were together, and we were talking about people that beat us in the juniors. And it's rare that both players then go on to such successful careers. There's so many junior players, I don't know what percentage, that are so good in the juniors, but they don't make it through to the pros. Of course, there are some, and there's stories like this, but to see both of them kind of climb the ranks together both in the juniors all the way back into the 12 and unders and now at the highest of levels that is a really awesome story yeah i mean it, it's always hard when you're when you're that familiar with someone it kind of works both ways i remember you know i, I could barely win games off of tommy robredo in juniors and then it flipped when we got the pros and you know it was it was kind of the biggest one i i think one thing that 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 that's important to talk about and potentially controversial is we have to have the same metrics that we have we talk about naomi osaka a lot you know, off the court, what she's dealing with. We go after Nick Kyrgios all the time. How we're not asking Zverev about yesterday and his accusations in the interview afterwards, I think is a miss. Uh, you know, it, it seems to be like a lot of stuff is off limits with him. I don't think it should be. I think we should be consistent uh, across the board. So you want to hear about yesterday and what happened with Stefano Tsitsipas and, and calling him out on the court? Yeah, I want to hear about that. I want to hear about, you know, some other things that have kind of been swept under the rug for sure. You know, in that thing, I think he should be accountable. Listen, we, we had fun last night talking about it, but I wanted to wake up today and have clarity on the situation, right? Uh, you know, maybe I didn't mean it. And as Lindsay mentioned, you know, he kind of hugged it out at the end and everything was like all hunky-dory today. And it's as if it didn't happen. And I, I don't think we're doing our job if we don't actually kind of pursue that a little bit further. Uh, it's so hard. So much of the media is not allowed on site anymore. This was the incident yesterday when Stefano Tsitsipas left with his bag after losing the first set. And, and Sasha said this happened in Paris. Yeah, I mean, he, he said it happened in Paris, but also, like, to make that accusation, and then, you know, Tsitsipas basically last night was saying, okay, nothing was brought. And then the conversation that I read, at least, the, the conversation that I read, at least, was, was he was mad that he wasn't allowed to go the second time. And he was going to check the rules on that. And beyond the actual person-to-person conflict, like, if you actually call someone that, you should be asked about it, and you should have to explain it. And that's just kind of general professionalism. I'm happy with him having the opinion on it. I probably suspect that there's something going on just by virtue of uh, of the reputation that Sitsipas has with his father as far as coaching violations. But I'd, I'd like to be able to, you know, see the follow-up and see him actually explain it. Yeah, I, I would love to know. I, I, would certainly, I would certainly love to know. Basically uh, accusing Tsitsipas of taking his phone into the bathroom and then texting with his father. No proof of that yep. at all, but made the accusation publicly. A strong one. A strong one. In front of the mic, in front of all the fans and on TV. And as Andy said, we got zero clarity after in either press conference after that final, after the semifinal. All right. Well... Uh, we can discuss it further, but first we got to get to the women's final today. It was Ash Barty, the world number one, taking on the wild card, Jill Teichman. Take a look at the career comparison. Obviously, leaning one way heavily. That's the world number one. Barty playing her sixth final of the season. Teichman, her very first this year. But Teichman took out three straight top 12 players to get here. Barty beat back to back to back major champs. 
So let's get to the highlights. Could Barty add to the 21 mil or could Teichman double up her one mil? We shall see. Ash Barty, Lindsay, this was very close in the early going at three all. Things changed. Yeah, on serve the first seven games. And then all of a sudden, a switch was flipped. And Ash Barty really raised the level of her play. She was so good all match in using her variety, not overplaying, and looking just so comfortable in this situation. She got the first break there and didn't look back for quite some time. Ended up winning eight games in a row. But Barty knows what shots to play. All of a sudden, Teichman felt like she had to force it. This was our White Claw shot of the day. Look at the speed of Ash Barty getting up to that drop shot and feathering it up the line. Even got a smile from Jill Teichman. It was, it was a well-played match by Barty, and at a certain point, Teichman just started to overplay. She started to overhit. Barty was right there. She didn't go anywhere. And how about the serve? I mean, Barty served at 93%. Just outrageous number. Didn't have to defend her second serve. And for so much of the match, it was Barty dictating play. At this point, winning six games in a row, Teichman did take a medical timeout, had some issues with her foot, but just could not overcome Ash Barty. Eight aces, 28 winners. And how about her fifth title, 40th win? Both of those numbers leading the WTA this year. She spoke to Prakash after. I have to ask, because you always are so humble. Did you really not like, expect the title of yourself and you just kind of go match by match? Yeah, honestly, no. I mean, I hadn't, hadn't really hit a lot of balls between Wimbledon and, and coming here and um, tried to find a way to refresh myself mentally, physically, and, and then obviously try and reignite the fire, I think, once, once we got here, the competition. And I found that um, at, the, at the start of this week an easier transition than I thought. So it was really nice to come out and compete uh, and do what I love. And I think, without a doubt, having the crowd uh, certainly helped me this week. I've seen so many smiling fans, um, plenty, of, plenty of Aussie accents I've heard as well, which always <laughs> breathes oxygen into my lungs. So it's, it's been awesome. You love to hear that, and this is what she has done so far, backing up that world number one ranking. Got her second major at Wimbledon, five titles. That's more than anyone else on tour. 14-1 and one against the best competition. That one really stands out to me. And next week, it's going to be her 90th week at the top spot in all the land. She's not going anywhere from that top spot anytime soon. And I love what she said. I didn't hit many balls from Wimbledon. Well, you played the Olympics, right. and you got a bronze in the mix. So didn't do as well in the singles. But she's just so... Everything is just so solid, so drama-free. She goes about her business. She works hard. And more than any other player I've ever seen, really, in the history of the sport, credits her team. She really looks at this as a team sport, not an individual sport. You never get the sense that a loss is going to cause any kind of chaos or disruption in her team. You've got to just admire how mature she is for still being so young. I can't believe it. Yeah, and the thing that stands out to me is I always talk about the, the, the most understated part of Novak's game is his ability to switch directions consistently and get the pattern he wants against anybody in the world, including Rafa, which he's the first guy that can actually take that forehand that goes up and away and knock it down and find line. Ash Barty does it in a different way. She's able to chip the ball line, chip the ball cross court, hit the forehand both ways. And she hits these a lot of these forehand winners up the line because you have to respect the one that she hits cross court so much. She kind of has these easy winners down the line where it doesn't look like she hits it hard, but it goes through the court. She is able to find the pattern she wants, just like Novak Djokovic, a little bit of a different way. Yeah, absolutely. 13th title overall. She has dominated all season long when she's on the court. You can expect 100% effort, and you can expect points like this. Lindsay, you talked about it. Our white claw, pure shot of the match. And, I mean, how about the speed to get here and then, wow, the accuracy down the line.
Yeah, you see the, all the variety as well. The drop shot, she's got that natural disguise because she does slice about 70% of her backhand. What a get from Teichman and Barty. Wow. She's such a jock. She is so athletic, just awesome to see. That, so she moves great, right? And you see her in the context of the points when she moves and she's chipping. That burst, like I, I was on the couch today and she took off. I'm like, oh my Lord, I didn't know that was in there. Like that, that was, a, that, that's insane. I mean, that, that burst she had in that point showed me something. Like she's an absolute athlete. Jock, I think is what Lindsay called her, but I knew she moved well. I didn't know she had that point to point speed just on command. That was impressive. She got Andy off the couch. Yeah, I mean, that takes a lot. It took hard. <laughs> It's hard these days. I've been fully retired. This, that was, that's hard. <laughs> it's either going for another bottle of Sweetens Cove or yep. Ash Barty yep. doing something special. Uh, Andy, looking ahead to the U.S. Open. Ash Barty's never been past the round of 16 there before. Is she your top favorite heading to New York? She is. Um, and I actually thought Lindsay made great points about the New York of things today on the broadcast. And Ash hasn't really uh, played well there in the past. Well, she's made it past the second round of Roland Garros once and won. She hadn't played well at Wimbledon before for her standard one. I think this is just a different type of player. I think she's rolling with confidence. I don't know that anyone can problem solve with her aside from just going huge, serving big and going through her. And does Naomi Osaka have the form to do that right now? I don't know. I know one thing. Ash Barty is going to cruise through the first week of that tournament, whereas Naomi Osaka is going to have to find her form, and it might be a little bumpier. It was interesting. When Osaka lost on Thursday night, she said, well, I put myself in this own position by not playing many tournaments. And she knows she badly needs matches. So she has about nine or ten days until the U.S. Open starts from the time of her last loss to really kick it into gear. That really is the big question mark. What level will Osaka be at at the U.S. Open? She, on the other hand, very comfortable in those surroundings. She loves that Arthur Ashe Stadium court. Court plays mainly indoor-like now because of the addition of the roof. Even when it's open, it's so enclosed, the wind doesn't really get down on the court. That's perfect for Osaka. It just depends on, on where she's at, both mentally and also with her game. Right, we shall see. Ash Barty did tell Prakash after she loves New York City. She likes the atmosphere there. She loves the fans there. I, I think she is primed to get past the round of 16 and, and maybe get that first U.S. Open title. On the men's side today, Andre Rublev, Sasha Zverev meeting for the fifth time. And both these guys date way back. We talked about it since they were 11. And both winning gold medals in Tokyo. Zverev taking the singles gold medal for Germany. And then Andre Rublev teaming up with Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova to get the mixed gold medal. This is back in the day. That's a young Andre and a young Sasha. Ozzy Juniors, I think. That's incredible. Love those. Love those picks. All right, getting into the match today. Zverev 4-0 against his old friend. 9-0 in sets. It was Andre Rublev that turned the tables against Medvedev yesterday. That was not the case, Andy, in this match. Yeah, I, and it was important for Zverev to get off to, uh, to to a good start, which he did, breaking that first game. But, like, physically, mentally, with everything that went on in that match yesterday, he needed to kind of get a foot forward, kind of cruise through that first set, and he did. He was taking it to him, just pumping. Like, that that second serve is just a, a meatball for, for Zverev, the way he's seeing the ball right now and the way he's pumping his forehand. This is the shot that's going to win and lose him slams, right? That forehand, if he's able to dictate off that side, he's rock solid off the back end, technically sound. If he's able to keep pumping that forehand and dictating terms with that, it's going to be really tough for anyone to stop him in New York. And if someone does, they're going to have to play a great match. 59 minutes. Less than an hour of work for Zverev. Fifth Masters title of his career. He's the only player 
to have two Masters titles this year. Fourth title of the season. He'll move up to number four in the world. You take a look at these numbers, and, I mean, second serve points. Just two of 16 for Andre Rublev. Only six unforced errors for Sasha Zverev, winning 93% of his first serve points won. Incredible stuff. Andy, which one stands out to you? Well, the unforced errors is even deceiving. I mean, he had he had six unforced errors, but three of them were, were, were double faults, I think. And the percentage of first serve points that he is winning, yesterday was ridiculous against one of the best players in the world. Today was ridiculous. 93% against one of the best players, ground players, returners in the world. And his first serve percentage is just all of a sudden out of nowhere gone up 10%. 10 percentage points, 15 percentage points. Yesterday in the first set, he was up at 80%. Today for the match, he was at 72%. Like, his second serve, we always question it. It might not matter if the guy is serving <laughs> 72% or 80% in uh, in sets. I mean, he's just stepped it up another notch all around. He really is. And he caught up with Prakash talking about playing his old friend. Now, I must ask, you talked about Andre being one of your, possibly your best friends, someone who's been a lifelong friend for so long. When you play against someone like that in an event of this magnitude, it has to stir up some memories, yeah? Yeah, obviously, but at the end of the day, I think I'm enjoying it because I know where we came from. We, since 11 years old, we've been playing uh, European tournaments, traveling to, you know, the, the, the worst places. I mean, really not enjoyable places and trying to, to be on tour. And now we're playing finals of Master Series and all that. So um, it is a sign that we both kind of made it to the top of the game. And it's, it's a great feeling to have for both of us, I think. About the year for Alexander Zverev, fourth title of the season. The only man with two Masters 1000 titles. These go to 11. One past 10 on the win streak. Semifinals of Roland Garros. Uh, Lindsay, looking ahead. U.S. Open. This guy was in the final last year. Lost to Dominic Team. Probably should have won that match. Yep. Uh, could have. Could have won. I mean, yep. the, the, the serving down the stretch, it was, uh, it was not good. Uh, wh where does he rank? Obviously, Novak Djokovic. We, he's going for the Grand Slam yep. this year. Other than that, where's Sasha Zverev on your list? He's at a close number two and beat Novak at the Olympics. Last year, the U.S. Open final, even though it's so hard to get over, he's got to learn from that. And maybe now with the confidence of winning Cincinnati and the gold medal, if he gets to those stages again, he'll be more fearless. He got tight. He started just trying to make balls last year in the U.S. Open final. That has to change if he's going to win a major. And maybe he learned from that loss last year. If he gets in that same position, you've got to see him go for his shots. Um, we have no sample size from Novak, North American hard courts this summer. We, nobody's really heard from him since the Olympics. We assume he's healthy. We hope he's in New York practicing now. I mean, with everything he's accomplished, he's definitely the favorite. But no question that Zverev's playing the next best level going into the New York. Yeah, and, and I was on, like, last year during the U.S. Open, he didn't play well that entire tournament, right? He was struggling, but got through. His level is, so, even on his bad days, the guy the guy finds a way to win matches, even if it doesn't look good. You know, obviously, we remember the final because it was, like, two guys falling uh, across the finish line a little bit. But, uh, like Lindsay said, the more he goes through that, the more you learn, the more you kind of put it away, you re reset the deck, you move forward. So, I mean, he's going to win a slam. He's going to win slams. Uh, it's just a matter of, uh, uh, of when. But let's focus on today and let's celebrate accomplishment for a second. Winning your fifth Master Series title, that puts you in uh, with names like Jim Courier, 
Boris Becker. I mean, this is this is heady stuff as far as, you know, winning Masters 1000 titles. I know we like to get caught up on slams, but let, let's not do that at the expense of accomplishment in other places. It also makes you in the company of Andy Roddick, yeah, tied for ninth it. on the list with yeah, five Masters you. titles. There you go. But, but, Selling but, yourself well, short, I, I mean, Andy. I mean, I, well, the only difference is the guy has the rest of his career ahead of him, but hey, I digress. <laughs> hey, a lot of people are coming back these days. We talked about Aga yesterday. I'm telling you. Maybe Andy, A-Rod. Andy's he's thinking about it. He told me. We're coming oh back God. after yeah, a break. <laughs> Talking about the matches still to come. There's one week before the U.S. Open. We got events in Winston-Salem. How about two new WTA events in Chicago and Cleveland? Tennis in the land. Tennis on TC Live after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. <laughs> Lindsay, Andy, Steve, back on TC Live. Oh, you know what that music means. Don't miss daily Grand Slam coverage, 2021 U.S. Open on Tennis Channel. Tune in every morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, a one-hour TC Live pregame show. Myself, Lindsay. John Wertheim, and more. Then, after the play is over, catch encores of the best matches nightly at midnight. It all begins next Monday, right here on Tennis Channel, just a week away. And like the U.S. Open, guess what? Broadway is back. And they're going to celebrate together with a performance from Moulin Rouge, the musical, to open this year's U.S. Open. What do you think of that, Lynn? I think it's just awesome. Everyone's been so affected by this pandemic. Pops on the list as well, Broadway, and they're a great stars as well. So we're going to combine the two at the U.S. Open. Andy, have you seen Moulin Rouge? I haven't seen Moulin Rouge, but I'm I'm a huge Broadway fan. I have a lot of time for this. I think this is incredibly uh, incredibly poignant. I think it's incredibly creative, and uh, this is awesome. I, I I will I will be tuning in to watch this. Yeah, Moulin Rouge the musical will resume performances on Broadway Friday, September 24th. So nice little teaser that we're gonna get Arthur Ashe Stadium. The only thing as good as the tennis at the U.S. Open is the food. Gotta love this. Alex Garnaschelli joining a veritable pantheon of celebrity chefs bringing their cuisine to New York City. We got Morimoto, David Burke, Tom Colicchio, David Chang, Pat LaFrida. Andy, the food is next level. It's so legit. And you know what, Steve? <laughs> you need... You, you need legit... Look at that sandwich. No one can put their mouth around that sandwich. So give me a break. Anyways... Wait, you know, you know what, you know what goes great with a twenty-seven dollar beer? Great food, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing better to wash down food than a twenty-seven dollar Heineken. Gotta love that. I, yeah. do, do the players enjoy the food as much as the fans, Lindsay? Uh, I mean, the food in the players' lounge is off the charts for the players, but I don't think you're seeing you're going to find the players going around the grounds too often. Right. It's, yeah. Uh, especially in the COVID era, but also just trying to get privacy and focus on. But maybe, maybe the teams are bringing them back in. Didn't happen for me. Maybe for Andy when you played. Did you 
get food brought to well, you from well, the outside? Let's be clear. The food at the U.S. Open, as far as tournament standards, is, is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. They have a great offering for the players. Now, with that said, we ain't getting Morimoto. We ain't getting Colicchio. <laughs> We, 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 there, there's not Wagyu in the player's <laughs> restaurant. Like, that, 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 that's not a thing. That ain't a thing. We're thankful for what we get, but the fans have those options are better. Do that. No, it, he's right. The, the smoothies, I guess, smoothie a day and the player's lounge. That, I mean, yeah. that's next level. Yeah. Love that. The sushi that's available. I got to say the breakfast because our morning show there, we were arriving at 5, 6 a.m. They took care of us unbelievably. But I'm going to have to be a little bit more adventurous and go around the grounds. The, the food and the sweets is amazing. I, yep. the Pat Andy Le- knows all about the right. food and the sweets. That's where he eats now every day. That's right. right. While you all are on TV, I'm doing the tours of the sweets <laughs> behind the scenes in the tunnel. That's, that's where I live. I pick up a peanut butter cookie like every third sweet. <laughs> the Pat LaFrida filet steak sandwiches. Uh, I would get like oh. one a night. And then the, the lobster rolls. I mean, you can get something different uh-huh. every night. For me, it's okay. New York's number one. Maybe you'll bring me some one day. I... <laughs> you can I get whatever you would like, Lance. <laughs> uh, the players have, have w- one week to go, right, in, until the yep. U.S. Open. So there are options for players to play before. We've got Chicago. We've got Cleveland, yep. which is so exciting on the WTA plus Winston-Salem, which we've had for a while on the men's side. But how cool is it to have two events in the United States, 250 level, before the U.S. Open? Yeah, I think for, for so many of the players, they want playing opportunities. There's only a handful of players that are like, I'm getting to New York. It's all business. I'm going to start to focus on winning this tournament. For the majority of players, they want matches. They want confidence. They also, for a lot of them, they need prize money. They need places to stay. So uh, the more playing opportunities that we can give these players, the better. And for, how about Cleveland? First year of the tournament and what a field they have there. Daria Kazakina, the top seed, but also Shelby Rogers in the field. Again, these tournaments are going to be at a very high level of play. I cannot wait for this event in Cleveland. The setup that they have there, it looks beautiful. It is right on the lake. Annette Conteve, Magdalene, Shelby Rogers, by the way, congratulations. Both just graduated college. Yeah, I saw that. A week ago. So they're wow. both of course they in did. Cleveland. And, and then Chicago. We've got a 250 in Chicago. That's coming off of a 125 we just had last week. And Venus Williams is there. Andy? Yeah, I mean, what a get. Uh, for Chicago, and you know what, it, this is this is great for the 250 level events uh, on, on, on both sides. You know, I, I, earlier in my career, I was lucky enough to where I used to play well, and so I didn't need the matches. Later in my career, I kind of needed the matches going into the U.S. Open more often than not. <laughs> you know, so this is a real opportunity. Players are hungry; they want to find that form uh, before the U.S. Open, and these are these are stacked fields. Yeah, so, so as a top player, the week before a major, some want the, the extra play, some don't. You played New Haven. You, yeah. Your numbers in New Haven are, are, are off the charts. Yeah, I think it, it's so different for also the men and the women. The men, I mean, playing seven three out of five set matches, I mean, your tank has to be at full to start on the very first day. For the women to play two out of three sets every other day, that's actually easier than we have in a normal WTA tournament when you have to play five matches in seven mm. days. So I actually played a lot of times the week before, especially for New York. Um, the city stressed me out, no question. And if you got there early, I really just felt all the pressure. You had more sponsor commitments. You had more things to do. I actually liked kind of hiding away in what 
they played in New Haven for years and years. If it was now, it would be either Cleveland or Chicago and yeah. just kind of focus on my game, try and play some singles, and really wait to get into the chaos of New York as late as possible. Yeah, our friend Ann Worcester, yeah. tournament director oh, New Haven for years. Friend. Spectacular yeah. job there. Job, yeah. Let, let's take a look at these numbers for LD, oh, the on. queen oh, of geez. New Haven, no, Connecticut. Why? Yes. Thanks, guys. Two-time champion. This, this is what we came for right here. And actually, I was going to... I was going to call Lindsay out before she called herself out. Like, she played this tournament, so she didn't have to go to New York and do sponsor commitments the week before. So she <laughs> I had an said excuse. that, though. Oh, I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm giving you credit. Like, that's 100% what was on the table. You know, but, but it is. It, I'm glad you mentioned it because it is a balancing act, right? Like, front-loading the first part of the week where you have your days off, but then you want to do your sponsor commitments. It's busy that week, right? Like that's where as tennis players in the States, we have the most value to our sponsors is the week before we can actually show up because we're not playing except for Lindsay in New Haven. <laughs> and it, you know, it, it is, a, it, it takes a little bit of scheduling. So you see these players that are kind of up and coming and how they're going to deal with it and how they're going to schedule it. I hope they have someone who has their best tennis interests at heart and uh, who's experienced in, in, in doing it kind of behind them in scheduling. I went to New York one time. The week and didn't play the week before. That was the last time. There's <laughs> a lot, a about, lot. How about the New Haven pizza? Yeah, that's exceptional there. I love New Haven. Yeah. Very quiet. Courts were great. On the campus of Yale University. We'll get an event back there, but we're very happy to have Cleveland and Chicago. Chicago, by the way, 125 last week, mm -hmm. 250, and now a 500 tournament later in the year. Wow, they've stepped up for women's tennis. That toddle in town. Yeah. Doing big things. Andy, uh, Winston Salem for you. You played it a couple times. What, what were your memories oh, yeah, going can we there? Embarrass him now? We're we're about to. No, okay, perfect. I, I, no, you you can't because I never won anything there. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm unembarrassable. Uh, I, a guy named Don Flo has been huge down in Winston Salem. I remember playing the Flo Motors event when I was like 16 in 1999. He uh, actually uh, sponsored a couple of uh, Davis Cup ties in Winston Salem. The first one after 9/11, the first uh, pro sports event where people were playing for the flag again after 9/11 was in Winston Salem again in 08, and then now uh, a, a, an annual tour event. Uh, I'm so happy to see it because Winston-Salem came out uh, for us and for tennis uh, when we really needed it. And so to kind of have that as a staple of the, the U.S. hardcourt summer is, is, is great to see. Well, we do have some video of Andy oh, playing yes. James Blake, oh, our, our, our colleague and friend, 2012 in Winston-Salem. You remember this, Andy? <laughs> Yeah, you know it was a primetime match by the grainy footage and that no TV was covering it. Um, you know, so I, I think this was, uh, at the point, at the time we didn't know it. I didn't know I was going to retire like two like a week later, but uh, always fun to play James. Always fun to hit uh, backhand passing shots up the line. I think that's one of three that I made in my life. And so uh, always, always a good memory. Two weeks later. Oh, my goodness. Has it been oh. that long? Jeez, nine years? Yeah. I love the cell phone video that we we literally didn't have real footage. We, was that Brooke up in the stands <laughs> filming? Brooke, Brooke does it. Brooke hated watching me play tennis. There's no chance that's her cell phone. No way. You know, you, you know better than that, Lindsay. <laughs> uh, we're not even close to being done with the show. Leading up to the top of the hour and coverage from Winston-Salem. Much more TC Live after this.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just big hitting there. Are you kidding me? Oh my goodness. Mark that down for best of the best. Wow. Somehow she's picked Osaka's pocket there. How has she managed to get that? No, oh, all the party tricks are out. Mukaba with a in between the legs there. Yeah. Brilliant from her, but it was all in vain. Conta was waiting a smart from Conta as well. Mourinho boosted. Is uh, having his way with Cupper. Ringo Boost is up a sack 5 2. Wow, we are, we're used to seeing Bublik hitting yes. those trick shots behind the back, but it's Dimitrov. Some incredible points from this week. This was a great match. Stevie Johnson, Austin Krajcik, the wild card. Biggest doubles final of their career. Taking on Marcel Grenoliers, Horatio Zabios. And they are now a perfect 4-0 in Masters Finals, Andy. I don't know. That's the most four players have ever run simultaneously in a doubles point in the history of time. <laughs> Look at everyone. Everyone is everywhere simultaneously. Granolos get kind of gets caught with the cookie jar there, but look at Stevie J. That's like more. <laughs> that 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 reaction is great. That reaction with the mustache is iconic. <laughs> Stevie and Austin, by the way, they need to play more together. They played this event last year, reached the semifinals again this year. Finals. That's the only two times they played on what the ATP. Missing? I don't. What I don't know. are we missing there? <laughs> I had this last night in the women's doubles, but right. then you filled me in. I filled you in, but, but I now, don't, yeah. yeah. Concentrating on singles for Stevie. Okay, I'll go with it. Andy's shaking his head. Well, I mean, I just like, what's the advice? Yeah, you guys are good together. Play more. There you go. Case yeah. closed. Let's roll. That's what, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. All right, time to uh, enter the social net. We saw Daniil Medvedev run into a camera on court yesterday. Andy, that wasn't the first camera that, that was hit 
in live action. That, that's that's Rafa doing his race to the baseline. Wait. So there's there's two things. Like Rafa obviously should be able to use his eyeballs and 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 see someone there. But also like if you're an experienced cameraman, you know what's coming. You've seen this 1,500 times throughout Rafa's career. He's gonna do the bull dance. He feels the flow right before he gets to it. Like you're you, you can't stand on the tracks when the train's coming through. Oh, I've never seen that. Is he okay, hopefully? I, I think okay. so. This happened a little while ago. Uh, two-time U.S. Open champ Andre Agassi. He's in New York City ahead of the U.S. Open, Lynn. Camp, it's great to see Andre in New York. I don't think, I don't know if that was today. They've gotten like four or five inches of rain in the last like mm. 20, 24 hours. But anytime Andre makes his way back to any major, it's just awesome for our sport. I wish he'd bring his wife more. I wish we'd see Steph around the grounds a little bit more. One of the greatest champions in our sport. Uh, they keep it pretty private. So whenever they're around, you know it's something big. Yeah, you know when a guy had, had an effect on your childhood where all he does is post a picture of him hitting a forehand with New York written beneath it? I'm like, oh, that's so cool. That's amazing. <laughs> what did I tell you in the wow. green room? Is it like, this is the coolest thing ever. I, I had the same reaction, yeah. Andy. No. It, no. Just a, a forehand prep, and I'm like, yep, let's go. Uh, we do have some very sad news in the tennis world and athletic world to pass along. Luke Siegel passed away this week. He's the son of former Texas Tech men's tennis coach Tim Siegel. Luke suffered a serious brain injury in a golf cart accident six years ago, and his fighting spirit became an inspiration for so many top athletes from John Isner to Patrick Mahomes to Drew Brees. I mean, this truly heartbreaking, Andy. Uh, yeah, and this is this is one of the sobering moments where you realize what a family uh, tennis actually is. Um, it, it's an absolute tragedy that after everything that Luke has gone through with his accident and that Tim, Jenny, and Luke had built um, with uh, TeamLukeHopeForMinds.org, uh, that the way his life was ended was through pneumonia caused by COVID. Um, I've heard a lot of talk. Uh, even in tennis where, you know, people are talking about, hey, I'm young and healthy, uh, I'm, I'm fine. So whenever we're, we're taking a long, hard look in the mirror, right, and we're thinking about how we're going to navigate the rest of this pandemic, it shouldn't just be what we're seeing in the mirror. We should probably take a look around and uh, take that into account uh, also. Um, I'm going to read a quote that, uh, that Tim Siegel actually wrote on his, on his social media that was a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm going to try to get through this. I'm sorry. Um, strength isn't about how much you can handle before you break. It's about how much you can endure after you've been broken. And there is nothing that any of us can say that will make anything better for Tim, Jenny, and the rest of the Siegel family. But know that the tennis world is here for you, that the tennis world cares about you, and I want everyone to know that the work that Team Luke has done over the past six years doesn't end because Luke is not here with us anymore. Uh, Team Luke exists to enrich the lives of children impacted by a brain injury and to give hope to their families through support and education. And what Tim has done to add value to Luke's life in the past six years since his accident and to do all of these amazing events and to bring all of these sports stars into the fold to see his son smile a little bit and then pass that on, raise money for other families going through the same thing 
is as a father, it makes me extremely emotional. I cannot even imagine what you're going through. We are here for you. We love Luke. We miss Luke. May he rest in peace. Team Luke, hopeforminds.org, hashtag Team Luke on all your social mediums. We love you, Luke. That's just absolutely beautifully said, Andy. His impact was felt across the world. As the ITA tweeted out, Luke Siegel will remain a light of hope and inspiration for many. We send our love and our prayers to Tim, Jenny, his entire family. Davenport, Roddick, Weissman back with you on TC Live, presented by Tennis Point. Your champions on a championship Sunday. Ash Barty raising the trophy, her fifth of the year, first in Cincinnati, the world number one, staking her claim to the crown in the Queen City. And then Sasha Zverev, what a season it's been for the German. Gets his fourth title of the year, the Olympic gold medalist on an 11-match win streak. He entered this event 0 for 6 in Cincinnati. Hadn't won a single match. Now he is a champion at this Masters 1000 event. His fifth Masters 1000 title. Tied for ninth on the all-time list. Tennis point tournament summary here. Barty takes the crown, her fifth of the year. Can she get the U.S. Open for a first time? Zverev, second straight title and how about the doubles going to Grenelliers and Zabios 4-0 when they reach a Masters 1000 final they take out Stevie Johnson Austin Krychek it's been a spectacular championship Sunday the two singles finals Lindsay lasting barely over two hours I mean, they were blowouts. Ash Barty and Sasha Zverev heading into the U.S. Open with a ton of momentum I thought you were going to segue to the DraftKings where Andy and I might have messed up no, no, I don't, I'm, some of our picks last night. not going to be me throwing you it under the bus. felt like you were about to. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, you know, I predicted that Barty would win and, and pretty comfortably, only because she's so accustomed to these big matches. She's been in a couple of major finals, won some majors. And for Teichman, it, it's all new for her. It can be overwhelming. I was caught a little off guard. I actually thought that Zverev would be more deflated than he was. All credit to him and, and this confidence and that this level he's been able to find. I was a little more surprised with the men's result being that one-sided than, than I was the women's today. Yeah, I actually think that the two best players for the week were, were the two winners. And that actually doesn't work out like that as, as often as, as, as you would think. Um, you know, but let's, let's take a look backwards, right? Last year we were playing the Cincinnati tournament in New York, right? How good was it to see the, la the match last night with the, the drama and the high level of tennis with Tsitsipas and, and, and Zverev and actually have some interaction and some emotion again? You know, that's what, that's what makes us human. So uh, I enjoyed this. I was so happy. I, I thought back to last year many, many times. And man, isn't this more fun? And having the fans there in Cincinnati, yeah. every player talks about it. Every single one was like, they, they helped me. Ash Barty, oh, I heard the Aussie accents in the crowd. It's game-changing, and that's how it's going to be in New York as well. Yeah, and the players can't wait for that. And we talk so much about, you know, just it's been an impossible world for 18 months or so for so many people for so many reasons. For the players having to adjust to a whole new way of normal just to compete and play tennis with no crowds or living in a bubble. Here in Cincinnati, they got to have a taste of what it used to be like.
have a little bit of freedom, have the fans around. And we saw that reflected in the play that we saw in Cincinnati as well and the attitudes of the players. I think that everyone is so fired up for the U.S. Open to get back to that electric atmosphere, to get the crowd involved. Late night matches, screams during the point. You can hear everybody clinking their glasses on Arthur Ashe Stadium Court, <laughs> drinking alcohol. I mean, we missed that last year, no question. Yeah, and, and especially in New York where, you know, the, the, the crowd doesn't lie to you very often they don't suffer fools like the energy that they have there is something unlike anything i experienced uh in, in any other venue uh in tennis it's the most honest crowd for sure and as lindsay said like they they the, the night sessions there are iconic they felt hollow last year they felt empty the good tennis didn't feel as good the bad tennis felt worse i am excited to see the energy back in that stadium Grey Goose Honeydeuce. That's it's a top-notch beverage <laughs> and, there. And those. <laughs> uh, we do have some breaking news because we were leading up to Nick Kyrgios, Andy Murray. I mean, this was a first-round match in Winston-Salem. Sadly, Nick Kyrgios has pulled out of this with an injury. Uh, Andy, what's your reaction when, when you see that Nick Kyrgios, just a week before the U.S. Open, will not be playing tonight at Winston-Salem? Well, I mean, obviously, they got the marquee matchup they wanted. You know, it doesn't get any bigger in Winston-Salem than Murray and Kyrgios, arguably the two biggest draws for the entire week, playing first round. And this isn't what you think. So my, my reaction is twofold. One, I'm disappointed for the fans that wanted to see some fireworks because, you know, Kyrgios is uh, immune to boring matches. And two, you know, you, you, you obviously wonder what his prospects are uh, for the U.S. Open. If, if he is hurt, is he going to stick around and see? Or is it like, listen, let's get out of town Let's go, uh, let's go to the mandatory quarantine and, and, and get back home. So uh, real disappointment for Winston-Salem. But listen, Andy Murray is a hell of a consolation prize. Like normally you have one guy and one person who the crowd might not know as well. You had two rock stars here, uh, you know, and Andy Murray is one of the best players ever. And it's certainly for the last 20 years. So uh, they'll be just fine. Yeah, tough news. I mean, yep. he is scheduled, by the way, Kyrgios is scheduled to be in Boston for the Labor Cup September 24th. Yep. So... If he has a chance to do that, we know he loves to play that event. You would think he would try to at least, you know, get to New York and play a match at the U.S. Open. But like Andy says, I mean, Andy Murray is a big-time draw and cannot wait to see Murray in action. He is supposed to be playing now Pierre uger Bear. we're hearing, in Winston-Salem. So we shall see. We'll see. Uh, we've got action from Winston-Salem coming up next. It's been a fun week here on TC Live. Andy, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us all week long, Linz. Rock stars always. Ash Barty, your champion. Sasha Zverev as well. But the tennis doesn't stop. A Masters 1000 ends. And another week begins. Action from Winston-Salem and Chicago after a break. Thanks so much for joining us on TC Live.